Welcome to the First Right Podcast, your weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration Pack. I'm Doug Truax, founder and president of Restoration Pack. This week, we're really excited to have our great pollster, Robert Cahaley, on the call. He's been doing some really great polling for us recently. We just got done with uh, Michigan and Pennsylvania. Uh, Wisconsin's coming here shortly, but we're going to kick off the conversation uh, with the Michigan and Pennsylvania results. So, Robert, why don't you uh, just dive right in here and tell us what you're seeing right now? Okay, well, what we are seeing really is um, uh, we see a little reaction to the Supreme Court vacancy. What, what is happening on that is that, you know, the American people, especially these swing voters, have kind of a sense of fairness, and they weren't so big on the idea of the Republicans getting to appoint somebody this time, and, and yet Obama didn't. Now, now that that name is known, I think that will shift, but that, I think that more than anything is going to account for the slight dip that uh, I think we see in Michigan right now. But the undecideds are what I find interesting how they're breaking. Um, we covered two issues that, that gave us a real clue the undecideds, uh, one of which was uh, politics and sport. And uh, there, were, there were various answers on that question, but when we, when we got to the undecideds, over 50% of the undecideds fell in the group of I'm tired of politics and sports. I'm not going to watch anymore. Another 10% fell into the camp of, I don't mind some politics and sports, but I don't want to see the flag or the anthem disrespected. Now, that's 60% of undecided voters. The other place, uh, and I'm not sure what the exact total is, I believe it was maybe 87.5, but the other place is when we asked about administrations being tough on China. And we went all the way back to you know Bush, Cheney, Clinton, Gore, Obama, Biden, and Trump Pence and 87.5 I believe of undecideds right now for president think that Trump Pence was toughest with China. So that gives you a little indication of where those undecided voters are. So I would still put Michigan in the category even though we show a, a, a little bit of a lead for Biden I would put it in the category of something that is likely to break very closely either direction but it's certainly a place Trump has an excellent chance of a pickup or retaining it from four years ago. All right, great. And then um, I want to jump into uh, the conversation about the debate last night too, relative to what you're seeing and the results uh, that, we're, that we're looking at now. You know, what do, what do you see? Any movement based on what we saw last night from what we've been polling before that? Uh, what, what are your thoughts there? We'll know more tonight because what we have done is our Wisconsin poll, we decided to do half before the debate and half after. So we're going to have a good comparison in that the last night of the Wisconsin poll was uh, Monday night. We took Tuesday night off, obviously off for the debate, and we're back in the field tonight. So we're going to be able to give you more of a comparison. The things that kind of stood out, uh, one that, uh, that I think could provide Biden some problems if used properly, is that he basically said he wasn't for the Green New Deal. Uh, he said he's not for uh, uh, what, uh, Medicaid for all, Medicare for all, mm -hmm. and that it's his Democratic Party and took ownership and was you know, a little less than polite in talking about defeating uh, Bernie. And we've seen the way that you know, the Bernie bros went last time. And um, you know, when you start thinking about how extremist so many of these people are, that are on this side and how frustrated they get, uh, you know, he's gonna, he may have a hard time keeping his coalition 
together based on what he said, while at the same time average Americans clearly can see that Antifa is a real thing and it is very well organized. And for him to just, you know, not equivocate on that and at least concede that is is very significant. I mean, obviously, it would be it would probably have been better if the uh, president had let Biden finish a few times and maybe Biden would have stumbled some more. Um, but uh, these debates, to me, aren't going to move a lot of people. This election has never been about persuasion. It's about motivation. And that's turning out your base. And I don't know that this thing did a lot to change that narrative. Yeah. And uh, the point you're making, too, about the content of some of the things that Biden said. So I'm just like everybody else, everybody that I talked to today is, wow, that was pretty rough. And the way they went back and forth and the interrupting and all that. But, you know, Trump was Trump, kept saying the same things he'd been, he's been saying to everybody, anybody who listen, he's been saying the same stuff. Uh, but to your point, Biden did come out and give us some content on how he really thinks about things, which is on our side. We've been waiting. Hey, why does this guy answer questions from the press? Why, why doesn't he get into this a little bit more? Because they're giving him a pass. But he didn't get it last night. And, and I'm with you. The one place is let the guy talk because that's, you know, him talking a lot is probably the best thing we have going because inevitably he's going to share what he really thinks. And he'll probably make a gaffe or two, and uh, and and uh, hopefully that's the uh, the path we'll see the president take at the next debate after he has a chance to take a look at his how it went. Yeah, it'd be nice for the president to kind of take the position of uh, the lawyer, the deposition. Just let him talk. Just that's right. Don't interrupt him when somebody's tearing themselves apart. Just let him talk. That's right. That's right. He should start conceding some of his time. You know, I'll give him an extra minute of my time. Let him go. (laughs) So so uh, and then the Supreme Court uh, battle, too. So, you know, that's that's where we get into uh, Biden not committing to uh, whether he's going to pack the court. He's not even talking about who he'd put out there. That's always that's the big hypocrisy right now. There's all we can't do this right now. But it's like, okay, well, Joe, what would you do? If you're president on the other side, it's like, well, we're not going to get into that. So how do you see that playing out with with, uh, with, with what you're seeing out there in, in the surveys? Well, obviously, we haven't really been able to see much about uh, the nominee's name. That We'll know more about that coming through the newer polls since uh, that came out. But I really, I, I, what I've seen in the past, it's, you know, it's when you, when people talk about like candidate versus an unnamed Republican or candidate versus an unnamed Democrat, unnamed Republican or Democrat always does pretty well. And then when you put a name to it, well, then you get pitfalls. Well, it's kind of the same way about should you appoint the judge, should you appoint the judge. There are people who don't think that the president should follow through and make this appointment. They see it as a sense of fairness. But once you're past that, you've even seen Mikulski and I I believe Collins say this. Now you have to judge the judge based on her merit. And I think she is a compelling person, and it is going to not be productive for them to beat up on her. And I think that the biggest impact that the judge selection is going to show us is I think it is going to be very helpful for Tillis in North Carolina, uh, making that race a little closer. I think it's going to be helpful for McSally. Um, and uh, those are races that really need the help because those are races that the president can win the state and still lose based on the way they look today. And those things really need to tighten up. Uh, so I think, feel like it's going to be a net positive for that purpose. And again, she's, you know, part of I'm sure why she was chosen is she is a compelling person. 
and she tells a good story and the way the some on the left are attacking her for everything from the circumstances behind her adoption to the horrible names they're giving of you know someone like her adopting a child from Haiti it's just so far from the mainstream that it reminds me of criticizing Mount Rushmore's white supremacists you know that dog just isn't gonna hunt yeah right and I think that could he it couldn't have been a better pick I, I I think she's fantastic. I, I think the hypocrisy of, oh, you shouldn't do this, and everybody knows if the Democrats had the presidency in the Senate, they wouldn't wait a second. And this whole concept about, well, we're having an election. Well, it doesn't say in the Constitution you're president for, you know, three year, three and a half years, and then in the last half year you can't do anything. You know, I just – it's the hypocrisy of it all. So, um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to watch them play this out in the hearings and how far they're going to push it. So, um, and then uh, the rioting, the violence uh, still out there, uh, maybe not quite so bad at times, but how do you see that playing out? Uh, we talk about it quite a bit here around the pack and I won't give too much away, but we're working on some stuff. And so what do you, what, what are you seeing out there as far as that issue? You know, that was one of the things that I, I literally started talking about in June that I thought that this, and you can check the Twitter and a couple other interviews, that, I said at the time, I really do believe that this stuff is going to help those, um, you know, those suburban moms say, hey, you know, for whatever reason, I don't like Trump personally. I don't like when he says this. I don't like when he says that. But I'm not for that. And I've seen that so many moves because a, a high portion of what we call the, you know, the hidden Trump vote uh, is suburban women. And so a lot of them just do not like Trump on a personal level, but the violence and chaos really, really bother them. And the idea that, you know, anybody out there is just a, I mean, you know, they see these, the folks coming through on, on the, the property in St. Louis, and then the, the woman and her little girl lost in the car. There's just so many examples of, hey, this stuff can come to you, with, you know, people sitting at a restaurant, calmly, you know, having dinner, and somebody comes and threatens them and, you know, takes some woman's water mm -hmm. glass. I mean, this kind of stuff really upsets people. And the way that Biden and Kamala so commonly refer to this stuff as well, you know, th these are just peaceful protests. I, I think labeling this stuff peaceful protests when this stuff is going on, I mean, part of it is intimidation. And uh, I think I think it, it, it we see it a strong impact on the suburban miles, but I, I tell you another group, I really have sensed something, and I had a long conversation with a business owner in Wisconsin. He was a older black gentleman, I think he was in his late 50s, and he owned a small business. And he specifically talked about this, when he saw the video of the young lady who was saying that, um, uh, rep, that uh, looting is reparation. He said, at first I was mad, I was really mad at that because I'd worked my whole life to build everything I built. He said, and then I got a different emotion. He said, it wasn't mad. It was a kind of a mix between mad and hurt. And he said, it felt kind of like shame. And he, he said, it was almost like that I was worried that there were people I knew who might think that's what I think. He said, and then I was just offended. Mm -hmm. And I think we're seeing so many of these you know, just hardworking, accomplished, upper to middle class, uh, or just hardworking regardless of what kind of income they have, black voters who are saying, this does not represent me. 
I, I, this is not my narrative. This is not how I got to where I am, and I'm offended by it. And I think we're seeing that in some of the vote for Trump uh, that's coming this way because they just don't subscribe to that and, and they don't appreciate being painted in that light. And who can blame them? Yeah. And I think it goes to you know the thing that you've talked about, that you saw kind of that shy Trump voter and that silent majority uh, piece. It tends to make them more enthusiastic than they were before. They were already going one direction, but now they're real more they're more passionate about it. And I think they get to that place where they'll silently share with their friends more and that kind of thing, because this like you said, they're not OK with it. And regardless of what you think about the debate performance too, you know, something we've talked about is the number one thing people are looking for in the president is a strong leader. And say what you will about President Trump and his delivery on certain things. He is a strong leader. And it's obvious that Joe Biden is not. And so, especially when it comes down to the security piece, I think a lot of people are going to get to that place where, you know, nobody's around, time to vote. Who are they going to go for? So, you know, I'm always the optimist on this stuff, but I, I, I think that there's, they've pushed it too far and, and they're going to pay a price for it. Uh, so I'm with you on that. I want to talk too about um, some swing states, uh, but let's go to, let's talk specifically about Pennsylvania too. And uh, some of the things we've seen there, like the, the recent polling you've done. Let's let's go over that some more. Okay. Well, in Pennsylvania, again, we saw uh, a, a tight contest with Biden with a small lead. But let, but again, whenever we have a lead, I always want to go to where what do the undecideds believe? Where are they? And what we saw with these undecideds was a few interesting things. Uh, one, the undecideds were overwhelmingly for fracking. And uh, the undecideds, when we asked the question about a potential Supreme Court justice, were overwhelmingly for a uh, strict construction, constructionist conservative, or even a libertarian. But but the uh, the uh, socially liberal um, was 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 not one of their top picks. So again, we had an, a circumstance where the vast majority of those who are claiming to be undecided are actually for things that Trump and Biden are completely opposite directions on. And so I think, I mean, part of it, yes, I believe hidden Trump voters are often hidden undecided when they say they're undecided, but they're really not. Uh, I also believe there are some hidden Trump voters that say they're for Biden. Those we can't do anything about right now because they're still saying they're for Biden. But we can look into the other questions and so often see a hit, somebody who describes himself as a Biden voter, and then we ask a series of eight or nine other questions, and every one of them, they give the solid Trump answer. And my gut is, that's eh, 50% of them aren't going to vote for, for Biden. They're going to tell us they're going to vote for Biden. That's what I always estimate. I mean, I look at it this way. We can and we do minimize the hidden Trump vote, but we do not eliminate it. It's not possible to eliminate. It. And so the things we do to ensure that we get a little participation from average people with short questionnaires, the things that we do with using uh, text and, and email and digital and a proprietary way we even do our live calls to ensure people feel the anonymity of their response is going to minimize the social desirability bias in the answer. But we cannot identify all the hidden Trump vote. I still think that it's probably two or three percent in Pennsylvania beyond that. And, you know, that alone in Pennsylvania or three percent if it's on the three end that could very well put him ahead yeah for sure and you look at that fracking number if you're in pennsylvania why would you be against it you've seen the results of it and this is 
we've seen over the decades too, this becomes the, the fatal flaw of the left. And I think Trump was feeling it last night when Biden would say certain things. If you, do, if you go too far in one direction, you've got too much of your own base on the left that'll just abandon you. And um, this is one of those issues. And it's great to be a conservative because we're stick to the truth. We know it's morally right and we're looking for a good economy. And we put all that together and we go one direction. But those guys have to put this, you know, this, all these uh, factions together and they might lose them, like we were talking about before with the Bernie bros and everything else. And that Green New Deal conversation, that's a tough one for him to have. Law and order. There's a lot of things he can't he can't talk about too much right now or he's going to lose his own, uh, the enthusiasm that he's already pretty low on, in my estimation. Um, so uh, other states then where you've done some polling, uh, Minnesota, North Carolina, Florida, Arizona. So uh, let's talk about that for a minute. What do you see going on in those states? Anything surprising? We'll start with Florida. A few weeks ago, we came out and said that there was a lead for Trump by 3% in Florida, and we were literally barbecued. Uh, by the left. I mean, just the left on Twitter, you know, it was fake. We were partisan polling and all that stuff. And then a few weeks later, like a week later, NBC said it was dead even in Florida. And then a few weeks later, ABC said Trump's leading by four. Now, I have not seen the left attacking NBC and ABC for being partisan pollsters. But I feel like that we, we got a wind of something that was coming before and that they kind of backed us up. North Carolina, we see is very, very close. Uh, we see a Trump lead. I believe we showed Tillis a little bit behind, uh, which is what one of the reasons I'm concerned about that. We haven't been in, in Arizona for a while. I'm hoping we're going back there soon. I know we're going to be looking at Ohio this week, uh, and we're finishing Wisconsin for Restoration Pack this week, and hope to be back in Minnesota. Um, but uh, Minnesota, we saw, was a little close last time. Uh, I think it was almost even, um, maybe Trump down a point. But um, these debates are certainly changing things. Uh, I mean, we've also done Texas and Georgia. Don't believe the hype, not competitive. Um, there were some particularly competitive races in 2018, but if you look down the ballot, both in Texas and Georgia, when you get past the particular candidate that had an issue, you can see that the, the Republican high watermark was significant all the way down. So you can't judge Texas 18 by Cruz's numbers. You got to judge it um, by the numbers that uh, Dan Patrick, the governor, and excuse me, the lieutenant governor, and the governor got. You got to judge those numbers, and that tells you where Texas really is. Uh, so I, I think it's going to come down to these the, these swing states uh, that are real, and um, uh, North Carolina I think is a big concern, and it needs to stay a big concern. Uh, you know, I grew up in South Carolina. I grew up watching North Carolina elections, and those people that turned out every six years to vote for Jesse Helms, uh, God bless them, they're going to their final resting place every day at a very high rate. And um, there, it, it's going to be a little bit tougher fight than it would have been. And uh, but uh, looking at these other Midwestern states, uh, they're picking up those is going to be critical, especially if North Carolina doesn't work out well so i think he i think he probably has a good chance to hang on in north carolina hopefully bring along some of the others with him but um you know our our, our thing we our promise to everybody who follows our polls is we're not we're going to tell you what it is and we don't care who it's bad news for because the truth is the truth and we're going to stick with it amen to that love the florida thing where you're you know you're obviously right and you take a lot of heat but 
you know, that's why we hired you here. <laughs> so we like to be, uh, we like to get the right results uh, here as well. So we're, we're happy to have you on board. So uh, 34 days or 33 days, whatever it is to go. So uh, down the stretch here, what do you think that President Trump needs to be emphasizing? I would say to the entire GOP, you need a plan. You've got to talk about health care in a better way. There is no reason when he was confronted with that question about health care last night, he couldn't say, I've done more than just an executive order on pre-existing conditions, but that we are going to, you know, give the whole cross state lines, give something. Because right now, the one thing, you know, I, and I've said this for years, and I, I still continue to say the best thing that happened to the Trump administration was not passing that amalgamation of a health care plan that was planned. Uh, the one that McCain voted against, because I think the Republicans would own what would be a health care mess right now. But the Republicans need to have an answer, because frankly, if you're if you're a guy or a gal, you know, maybe a single head of your household and you've got a kid who needs some kind of medicine, you don't care about tax cuts. You don't care about anything but that. And until the GOP has a clear, understandable answer and that can convince that voter, you are not going to lose that health care. If Trump wins this election, it is going to be a point of contention. That is the reason healthcare continues to show up. Because if you've got it and you like it, you're on one side. And if you've got it and you're afraid you're going to lose it, you're on the other. And if you don't have it, you're on the other as well. And they're so far apart. I, I know a lot about the healthcare side myself. They're so far apart on philosophy on this that we, as conservatives, we're just going to have to make a break on this and say these are the principles we're sticking to and push it through. And they're going to work on the other side because we saw, you know, Obamacare and all that disaster. And it continues to be a rolling disaster. But to your point, they're able to say, hey, we, we did something. So, yeah. And when I, I talk about market driven, right. you know, I mean, you, you look at our cosmetic um, plastic surgery, our cosmetic um, LASIK, uh, you know, cosmetic dental. America has the best quality and cheapest prices. If you let the market work, you can deliver health care better health care at a better price. Those things that don't involve insurance, we, we are, America leads the world in quality and price. Absolutely. And I, I see it all the time statewide. It's that whole argument, let people buy across state lines. If you let businesses not have to adhere to some of the stuff that these National uh, Association of Insurance Commissioners, you know, hold, hold them to if they're less than 50, you got all these bigger companies doing all these great innovative things and their costs are coming down for their employees all the time. But the smaller guys, they can't because legislatively they're stuck. So, yeah. And it's right in our wheelhouse. It's it's and, right and in our wheelhouse. Have, all you have to do is watch TV any day. What are the best three commercials you're going to see? They came, they come from a car insurance company or home insurance company because the market is that competitive. Why can't we bring that market driven fight to healthcare? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Robert. Well, we're going to get you back on. Obviously, we got another round of polling coming up uh, and uh, it's uh, obviously getting quite contentious. Um, I think we're all going to be uh, breathe a sigh of relief when this is this is done. But hey, great work on everything and, and uh, really uh, glad you came on and, and look forward to having you back. Good to be here. All right. Very good. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks for tuning in and for supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget that working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. So until next time, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without liberal slant. 
every morning in your inbox, always free. Subscribe now at restorationofamerica.com slash first right or text first right to one three one two eight two zero nine one six seven.